Good morning. We're now at the part of this morning's service where we're going to open up the Bible together, read a few verses and see what God has for us and what he wants to speak to us about. We've been going through the book of Philippians together as a church family, which is the, the Apostle Paul's writings to his friends, the church in Philippi. He is in prison, so he is literally, he's writing, literally being locked down. We've called this series, Even Though, that even though things look different, even though we're in lockdown, even though there's lots of things we can't do, Jesus is with us and he isn't going anywhere in this season, as uh, was the same with Paul. So we're going to read Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to start just at the second part of verse uh, 4. It starts with someone else. So if, grab your Bible, Philippians 3, or your phone, and we'd love you to read along with us. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Amen. Uh, growing up, I had a number of hobbies as a kid. I loved nearly every sport and I, I started playing video games. I was a, a gamer. And I, I still occasionally like the, the little escape of, of playing a video game. And it really took a hold of me in my teens and into uni. I would love playing uh, video games. But there was one particular game that uh, hooked me at that age. It was probably about 12 or 13. And the game was called Football Manager. Now, I, I probably don't need to explain too much what that game involves. It's a bit like, it does exactly what it says on the tin. You manage the football team. Sounds pretty boring, but this game was incredible. Perhaps there's one or two of you who used to play this game as well. You would manage a football team, every aspect of the team. You would manage their finances, their uh, media appearances. So you'd do interviews with the press. You'd manage the tactics, the transfers, just absolutely everything. You'd speak to the chairman, you'd make big decisions, you'd play games, you'd win trophies. Like I was hooked. And I, I realised there was a fine line between becoming, it becoming a hobby and, and taking over my life. I remember seeing an article in a uni newspaper that said football manager 
ruined my life. And I think that was a bit of a wake-up call for me as I, as I studied business studies and human resource management. But I want to tell you about a guy called Tony Jameson. Tony Jameson was a, a former college lecturer who once took his laptop to a wedding so he could finish off uh, one of the matches. So he, he nipped off during uh, the wedding to, to finish a match on his laptop. He also, when he won a trophy, he joined an open-top public bus tour around his city and started singing, We Are The Champions. I've not done anything like that. that that's, that's pretty extreme. But he works out that he spent approximately 31,760 hours on Football Manager since he started playing in the 90s. And uh, that works out, I think, about four years. He spent four years of his life playing Football Manager. I don't think I'm as many hours as that, but that, that's just baffling, isn't it? It's baffling. I want to ask you this morning, what are you living for? What are you pursuing? What are the goals? You know, I think this last 10 months has given time and space to consider everything. To reevaluate everything in our lives. What's the plan? What's the focus? Where do we see ourselves going? And I think the danger is that we don't use this time wisely asking those questions and having a bit of a health check across the board. What am I wasting time on? What's consuming me that shouldn't be? What is being squeezed out that I'm then trying to squeeze in but it proves unsuccessful all the time? Where am I Football manager moments. What does that look like for me? We, we see in these few verses from Paul a very personal account from him of what he was journeying and living and pursuing and actually the reality that these things weren't all that were cracked up to be. We have a list in verse 5 and 6. A list which uh, highlights uh, status, security, popularity, uh, Things like, you know, having, having a religious activity. There's just lots bundled into that list that he shared in verse 5 and 6, which uh, for Paul, he thought that was it. He thought that was it. And have you, ever found, have you ever found that? You're in the mix of something and you think, this is what's going to make me happy. This is the answer. And it turns out not to be perhaps... Uh, it's like once I, I move house, things will be better. Or once I, I get that job promotion, and you know once you get there, it just isn't all it's cracked up to be. It doesn't quite, it doesn't, it doesn't make you feel how you thought it would make you feel. Perhaps it's around religious activity, you know, just increasing it that little bit more. Approval. The pursuit of trying to be someone or be noticed. And it doesn't turn out quite how you thought. And it's not that some of these things are inherently bad things. You know, to, to have a new house or to get a new car or have the job promotion. But they mask themselves or they, yeah, they mask themselves as uh, being the answer to the bigger questions that all of us have at the very core of who we are. You know, who we are. Who am I? Where do I belong? And what am I pursuing? What am I living for? What on earth am I here for? That we can so easily be in a pursuit 
of what we think is the God stuff, just like Paul in these verses, and all that, that God wants to do is to take the scales away from our eyes, just as he did with Paul on the road to Damascus. To take the scales away from our eyes to see Jesus, to see him face to face, to realise that he's all that matters, that he's all that matters. And the things that we've been uh, focusing on, uh, stretching towards, pursuing towards, thinking they're going to be the answer, are not. And, and God, perhaps this morning, just wants us to turn our eyes to Jesus. Turn our eyes to Jesus, just to see Jesus. And to look at what that means for us this morning. To divert our focus away from activity and to look to Jesus. To divert our focus away from programs. To divert our focus away from a the pursuit to be noticed, to divert our focus away from a career, but just to focus on Jesus, to divert our focus away from doing, to just being, to divert our focus away from a, becoming a name, to look into the name above all names. I want uh, to remind us, like Paul is passionately doing here in these writings, to not give up in this season. We've maybe heard it in all sorts of different ways, during this last 10 months, don't give up. But can I urge us, don't give up on Jesus. Don't give up. Don't give up. We see Paul sharing about knowing Christ in verse 8, about gaining Christ, about finding Christ. There's a song called I Surrender by Hillsong, and uh, it says these words, Drench my soul as mercy and grace unfold. I hunger and thirst, with arms stretched wide. I know you hear my cry, speak to me now. I surrender, I want to know you more. I wonder if, if that was to become our heart cry for this week, what would God say? What would God say? How would our relationship with him look this week ahead? Have you ever had a time at work where new systems were being introduced, new IT systems or ways of working? Uh, when I was a mortgage advisor years ago, uh, we had a new system coming into play to do mortgage applications and it was carnage. It was absolute carnage because everything that, that, that the company had known for you know, 15 years was thrown out the window and there was this brand new way of working. And when usually we'd have six or seven customers a day it took like one customer who would stay seven hours, we'd give them breakfast, lunch and dinner, and all they wanted to do was change the term of their mortgage. You know, it was, it was a week which uh, affectionately, well actually it had a lot of different names, but it was known as the week. It was known as the week where things changed, the, weeks, the week where the company never felt the same again, and uh, people spoke about it for ages afterwards. And we see Paul having this moment in Acts 9 on the road to Damascus, his powerful conversion, his powerful encounter, uh, when he thought his system was the way, when he thought verse 5 and 6 was the answer, when he thought 
uh, that all the profit of all the things he was accumulating, all the spiritual activity, all his heritage and uh, upbringing, when he thought that was totting up the score, when he thought these numbers and attainments were, were the answer, when he thought that influence and uh, his voice was to be reckoned with, that, that was the answer. And these things just slumped down to zero. These things were uh, vanished in an instant, quicker than the NASDAQ, FTSE and Dow Jones. Uh, yeah, that's all I know in terms of the stock market. Uh, but it just plummeted. That's my knowledge in a nutshell. And in that moment when those things plummeted, when those things, there was a, a, a moment when those things weren't the answer. What was there? Who was there? There was Christ as credit, as credit, as the answer that would cover all of his needs. Verse 7 says, Whatever I counted as gain, I count as loss. Christ became his own. To find Christ, to know Christ, to gain Christ for our own, to treasure him. You know, some of us perhaps have been uh, focusing on the wrong things in our walks with Jesus. We've been focusing too, more, too much on attainment. We've been focusing too much on doing. And when we don't get round to those things, there's a gap that, that we feel. There's a gap that we feel is getting too wide. There's a feeling that envelops us where we think we're not worthy anymore because we haven't done X, Y, and Z. And Jesus just wants to say, come, come. He wants all of us. For some of us, we tick the religious box part. And Jesus is saying, just come. It's so much more than that. Don't transact. Just chat. Just be with me. Just tell me how you're feeling. We used to have uh, in the bank, love, uh, I was about to say lovely, they weren't that lovely, little old dears that would come in with huge amounts of checks to put in to their accounts, which were just full of money, and they'd keep their head down, and they wouldn't lift their heads to chat. Jesus just wants us this morning to lift our heads and to speak to him. He wants in. Some of us are at church because it's all we've ever known. And deep down we feel an, a, a, maybe a, a void of some sort because we feel that we've never fully heard from him. We're hurting and we don't know if we can hold on much longer. Lift our heads and chat and speak to him. Oh, in, the, in this season, my prayer is that Christ would become our own, that we would know him more, that we would know a genuine, authentic, intimate, deep, rich, abundant relationship with him. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. That we'd get away from all the faff, that we'd get away from all the things that mask and parade themselves as being the answer eh, in terms of religion, in terms of life, that the things we pursue, it's good to pursue things, but ultimately and firstly we would pursue Jesus and that all things would flow from that relationship. What do we need to put right? Where's the football manager moments? Where's the things we need to realign? Where's the things that actually squeezing needs to stop? And we need to just press reset. We see in verse 10 three things. We see a, the power of, I'll read the verse out. I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection, the participation in his sufferings, and become, the power of his resignation, re, resurrection, the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. 
and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Firstly, the power of resurrection. That we would know and experience that when we have Jesus, dead things come to life in our lives. That bones that are broken would be healed. That bodies that feel worn out right now and feel a bit beaten would be revitalised by his spirit. That hope would invade the dark places in our lives. That the Lord would shine a light. And I just want to speak life. I want to speak life in its abundance. That in knowing Christ we would experience that this morning. The areas of our lives. Maybe, yeah, just I just want to pray that, Lord. I want to pray that you would invade over our heart. I speak life over our hearts. And light. I speak life over our minds right now, Lord. And light as well, Lord. Where they feel in a dark place, Lord. And yeah, just over our physical bodies, I, I pray life, Lord. I pray that power of resurrection, Lord, for those bones that are hurting, for bodies that are hurting, Lord. Thank you that you have a track record of bringing dead things to life, Lord. Of resurrection moments when all hope is gone, that you come. And then we have the participation in suffering. Uh, now, the, the translation in this, the actual Greek participation, actually is a sharing or fellowship. And I just want to reiterate a point that I shared last week in that, you know, Jesus isn't dismayed or distant or disconnected in our sufferings, but he's right alongside us. He knows how we feel. He knows how we feel. And he is right with us in this season. To not forget that. To not forget that. To be real with him. To be real with him. And then finally, eh, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. We've been watching the odd box set over lockdown eh, via Amazon. And we're, we were reminded of the buzz when 24 came out, which was a... Uh, a series about a CIA agent called Jack Bauer who would have major world-changing moments to go and save calamities. Uh, to save calamities? That's a funny word. But yeah, I can't say the word. Catastrophes. Catastrophes. Catast that's not my notes. You see these big words, I can't handle them. But you'd have big moments uh, of attack that you'd need to go and save the day and you get to the end of the episode and you just had to watch the next one. There was a cliffhanger. You needed to know the end of the story. You'd be up to three or four in the morning. And uh, this was before we uh, had kids and we were just married. So we were able to do that and go to work. And now we're a wee bit older, that just doesn't happen. But you, you just had to watch another one. You had to find out the end of the story. You know, we have a great promise here that, that this isn't the end of the story. This life isn't the end of the story. When we leave this earth, it isn't it. We have the promise and hope of eternal future in heaven with Jesus. Where all things are made new. No more pain, no more suffering. And you know, right now, we have a great promise. In this season of lockdown. That these last 10 months are not the end of the story. They're part of the story, 
But Jesus' redemptive plan is alive and beating over our lives, over our city's lives, over our nation's lives. He has a plan. This isn't the end of the story. We might be in a cliffhanger, but the, 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 the good part is coming. The good part is coming. And you know, maybe it's a change in direction in yours this morning. Maybe you're watching this and you don't know Jesus. And your story so far hasn't been a great one. And you're looking for hope. You're looking for purpose. Maybe Jesus is beckoning you into a relationship with him, which shares a story of hope and eternity with him. And maybe that just excites you. Maybe you know Jesus and that's just afresh by his spirit, exciting you afresh. Can I encourage us to get to know Christ, to allow him to know the real us? Find him out in our days. Pursue him. Find spaces and places where you and Jesus can just hang out and protect him. Speak to him. Literally speak to him. Ask him stuff. Cry to him about stuff. Get real with him. Ask him to reveal where the scales are. And I guarantee as we understand the requirement for no requirements... He will show up, just as he did with Paul, to show Paul this isn't the way, but this is, this is actually the way. And he will lavish his grace on us again and again and again. And he'll point us to the mission. He'll share his heart with us for Inverness, for your life. Greater things are, are yet to be done in this city. And as we believe that, we end this we talk with just a simple cry, Jesus we want to know you more. And we want to remember and understand more the requirement for no requirements when it comes to meeting you. Amen.